0: Today's episode of the Locked On Knicks podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek, the best and easiest way to purchase tickets for concerts or sporting events. Download the SeatGeek mobile app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Then enter the promo code LONICKS, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code LONICKS today. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily podcast on the New York Knicks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah. Uh, my city and vibe. Yeah, let me take my time. I'm on my grind. Gotta make sure that we shine. What's yours is mine, and what's mine is yours. HR to the death end. First up, My team for sure. gonna fall off. Can't fall off. Got family support. Gotta make sure you succeed and reach our dream. that live through me. I'm about to. Take Hello and welcome to the Locked On Knicks podcast. This is episode 133. I am your host, Jared Dubin. I have my personal laptop back. That's why you're hearing the intro music and the quality editing, unlike we've had for these last couple days. This is a late night edition of the podcast I'm talking to my friend, Brian Gibberman. Brian, how are you, man?
1: I'm pretty rude of you to interrupt my first spin of the uh, Kendrick CD that just dropped.
0: Well... I'm going to get to that tomorrow, and if I wasn't watching uh, Fast 8 earlier this evening, we could have done this a little bit earlier.
1: Yeah, pretty rude of me to have no idea about anything to do with Fast
0: 8, so you can't talk about it, I'm sorry. Look, uh, I'll just say this, you know, I I love the Fast and the Furious movies, and you're not going to understand this reference, but Grey Worm and Masande are way better than Tej and Ramsey. And, uh, that's all I gotta say about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's, like, another language to
0: make. Yeah, well, the first one's a Game of Thrones reference. The second one is a, uh, a Fast and Furious reference. Two things that... Two things that I don't watch. You don't watch Thrones? What's wrong with you?
1: No, that's one uh, I, I don't do this whole sci-fi thing. Thron- I, I never got Thrones the Thrones
0: is not but sci-fi. Thrones you is not know, sci-fi. you know what I mean? Like, the fake... The fake people stuff... So you Star don't watch Wars, any TV? I,
1: I don't... I, Star Wars, I haven't seen any of the newest ones because I want to go back and watch all the other ones in order to remind me of where I am and I'm not happening. Uh, I've been too cheap to buy them.
0: Uh, so see, I will I did, get to I did that before uh, I did that before Episode 7 came out. I've had... I mean, I've had them on DVD. My dad has had them on DVD for years. Um, yeah,
1: so I,
0: I need to do that. Like, so
1: I'll, I'll go... I've watched... I've, that's what my dad got me the Star Wars. So I, I just don't remember. It's been so long since I watched anything, I feel like I'd be clueless. So I'm just holding off on seeing them until I can re- refresh myself.
0: All right. We don't have a lot of time, I know this. So I, I want to start here because uh, one of the things I talked about on yesterday's podcast was, you know, because there has been so much negativity lately, uh, I put out a question on Twitter. What... Uh, were your three favorite things about the Knicks season. Um, You gave sort of a very dark, jokey answer about the fact that it's almost over and all all that other stuff. (laughs) I'm wondering if you have a real three favorite things about the season.
1: The first couple months of poor Zangas, now he's done that twice where he started the season very strong and then kind of tailed off, I think, as he gets older, stronger, and more used to playing that we'll see that level of play more consistently and later into the season, and eventually he'll put together 82, 82 games like that. Um, Justin Holiday ended up be, meeting my expectations of what I was hoping for, and hopefully they're able to re-sign him at a reasonable price, because maybe a little bit of the Lance Thomas thing. This is the first team that truly gave him a shot on a regular basis, and he wants to be here to see it through, and it'll be, able, it'll be a reasonable contract. So that'd be my second thing, and my, uh, like, uh, a moment. Uh,
0: Doesn't have to be a moment, like any, you know, your three favorite things about the season. can be anything you want. Willie Hernan Gomez,
1: I don't know if he, I don't really see him as a starter in this league, long term, but it's a kind of a trend we're seeing across the league with you see it with Zach Randolph, you see it with Enos Cantor, that there's value it's like the new volume scoring guard off the bench is having an efficient scoring big that you can kind of anchor your second unit offense around, even though he's not a great defender or he can't shoot threes that, that that's a valuable piece to a team, and Willie Hernan Gomez can be that for the Knicks
0: yeah, at minimum,
1: maybe maybe it turns out maybe maybe it turns out that He should start next season. Maybe he starts next season, and him and KP complement each other so well. It turns out to something more. But I mean, for me, I, I see him more in that off the bench role. Is what best suits him.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say that some teams actually start that guy. Like you look at Toronto now, Jonas starts, but he only plays you know like 24, 26, 28 minutes a night. Um, and most of the time doesn't close games because they close with their small lineup. I could see the Knicks doing something very similar uh, with Hernan Gomez, and um, he
1: doesn't get he doesn't get exposed as much defensively, does he? I'm I'm asking. I'm truly not sure about
0: that. I mean, he was better than expected defensively, I think. But he still, you know, was not good defensively, and he. Um, I mean, the, the next time he doesn't go for a pump fake near the basket will be the first time.
1: Why, why I like those guys with the second unit is because I feel like they don't get as exposed as much playing against lesser players. Yeah,
0: and look, if you take him out as the first guy off the floor, then you know his second stint of each half will be mostly against bench guys. Um, and, and I think that that's... Fair, fair, fair,
1: fair enough. That makes sense.
0: And I think that that's a, a pretty good way to work it. Um, he was also one of my three. Uh, I think he was easily the biggest bright spot of the season in terms of exceeding the expectations that I had, and I think most people had for him. Um, you know, his his scoring was even better than I expected, and I expected him to be, you know, borderline unplayable on defense. You know, that's something that uh, when I did the podcast with uh, Emmett Ryan before the season. Uh, we talked about how bad Hernan Gomez's defense uh, probably would be, and that it would keep him off the floor for a large portion of the season. That did not happen, so that was a, a very pleasant surprise. Uh, I also had Holiday as one of my three. Uh, you know, he was a guy that I wanted the Knicks to get, going back like three years, uh, and they finally did it. And he turned into exactly what I thought he could be. You know, a nice rotation wing that can shoot and defend. And um, like you said, I, I hope that they're able to bring him back. Uh, you know, in a similar way that they were able to bl- to bring Lance Thomas back. I think that's a good comparison. Uh, a little bit more of um, I think, an offensive bent than Lance had just because you know Holiday to me still leans more towards the the shooting side than the defense side. But uh, I think the two of them could be a nice bench wing combination. Um, moving forward and it would be it would be good to have them. Lance
1: organize. shoots forty percent. we're on like season two now of Lance shooting plus forty percent from three.
0: But on like an attempt per game. It's not like he's doing it you know, on, on big volume.
1: For that but the low attempts also might have to do with playing time a little bit that. I mean, it'd be interesting to how that would break down. Yeah. You know, because the per game is he missed so many games
0: with injuries this year. I wonder what the attempts per game were in the actual games that he played. Uh, or
1: does that not make any sense? That doesn't make
0: sense. I take that back. Yeah, that attempts more, per game is attempts buy. per game. Yeah, yeah. Th- <laughs> yeah I was thinking
1: of it was, that, that was awful. do yeah. just
0: ignore that. <laughs> um, and, and then, you know, my third thing, I was going to go with Chris Stapps also, but, you know, the, the tailing off after around mid-December, so I know it's because he got hurt, and I think they brought him back too early after that. And I talked about it on the podcast at the time that, uh, you know, he didn't look to be moving well right when he came back, and and I think that that sort of lingered throughout the rest of the season. Um, So I went with, you know, having another top-ten pick. I think that's nice. All
1: right, I'm going to add one in that I think a lot of people are going to disagree with. All right, one, it wasn't the right fit with this team because... You put him and Melo together, you're just not going to be able to play good defense. It's it's impossible. To what the Knicks needed out of their point guard wasn't what he brought.
0: Look, the driving. Oh boy, though. do I strongly disagree on this. Okay. Oh what, my lord.
1: Well, okay, what? Just hear me out. What? What he brought offensively, yes, he had the dribble drive but they needed someone they needed more of a pure point what you would call I guess what people would consider a poor a pure point guard for this roster but in terms of what he did individually offensively just offensively Derrick Rose was better than you could have Ever imagined
0: he could have been with this team? Yeah, I, I don't think jumpers. that this would ever like he, he could have been as good as he wanted, and he would never qualify as one of my three favorite things about the season. No, no,
1: oh, not it wasn't a favorite. I, I think yeah, it's not favorite. It was something. Yeah, I guess it,
0: it was, it was like the that least enjoyable fan me. experience. Like I said this earlier, I think it was like the least enjoyable fan experience since like Eddie Curry. Like it was. But, I, I was, was. I did not like it. It's like did you uh, did you a, ever see the uh, the the uh, the Bieber roast where Hannibal Burris just goes up on stage and he's like I don't like no. your, I don't like your music, man. I don't like it. I don't think it's good. I, I don't like it. This is how I feel about Derrick Rose. I, I don't think he's good. I did not like watching he, him. He
1: was. He was. He was. I agree with all of that. But he was good just offensively this year and I think it's
0: unfair. See I don't think he was think good offensively. He was good getting his own offense in a very specific way. I don't think he was act like necessarily a a good offensive player. Like he was he carried a significantly above average usage rate and a significantly below average efficiency. He barely assisted what, on was, any baskets. It? Dude he
1: had a he had a seventeen P E R he shot uh, he had a fifty three percent
0: that's below average. Percentage. That's below yeah. average. When when you add I and his offensive rating
1: was 108. I think from an individual perspective he was much better than I was expecting this year yeah. offensively.
0: Still, Specifically still of offensively
1: things. I think he was he was a net negative on the whole and I don't want him back anywhere near this team because he's not what they need. But I do think he has some value if he went to the right team in the right situation.
0: Sure, um, I'm still not granting you one of the favorite things. I'm still not granting that he was a positive.
1: Oh, I hate. I, I hate. Yeah, I shouldn't have included that under the pretext of favorite. Because I'm on you. I didn't enjoy the Derek Rose experience
0: at yeah, all. It it was not fun. Uh, and I, honestly, I didn't expect it to be fun from the beginning. Uh, you know, from the trial to the A wall to the missed passes to Porzingis to. The lack of self-awareness to everything else um, I would not want to go through that experience again and uh, I said this to my friend last week uh, if if they bring him back I mean that's going to be the last straw I think for a lot of people he was like
1: top 15 in jersey
0: selling oh god I can't even believe that that's, yeah, that's I think wild. Was,
1: I think he was third. I think he was thirteenth. It felt like throughout the year that most Knicks fans, until the very until that last game against the Sixers, I would say, look, we're in a little bubble with the people we deal
0: with. On I think it's way. also I but, think it's also like a vocal and energetic minority that was big fans of him because you know. So you know, most of my friends are more you know casual Knicks fans than than hardcore. Like us, yeah.
1: We're they're not lunatics
0: like us. They they started off being like, "Yo, D Rose, maybe go to the playoffs." And by like the middle of the season, they were like, "This guy is terrible."
1: Um, but the energy at MSG, like, I felt like it was better for him than it was for Melo all season until that last game.
0: It's possible. Um, I also think that grossed me out. I hate that so much. He also like he. I said this on the last podcast too. He benefited from Porzingis way more than Porzingis benefited from him, and that's just about like worst case scenario from what you wanted from that position. A- absolutely,
1: and that that you now despite everything I just said, I hope people don't misconstrue that in saying that I think Rose is good. That I, I really, really don't think Rose is good. But the contrast of that's why I wanted Rubio so badly on this team. Because look, it would have been it would have been the roles would have been inverse. Rubio would have been helping Porzingis tremendously, while Porzingis would, yeah, he would have provided some spacing for Rubio, but that's not really what's going to help Rubio most.
0: Right. Alright, so I, I know we got to go in a little bit, so let's, let's move on to a couple more things that we can just knock out here. First, though, gotta take a quick minute to recognize the sponsor, SeatGeek. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to, and none of those older ticket sites want to change that. SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. No, the Knicks aren't in the playoffs, but, you know, there's local-ish kind of games if you want to go to, like, a Celtics or Wizards game in the playoffs if you're into that. Just go to baseball games. The Yankees are playing. The Mets are playing. The Rangers are in the playoffs. The Islanders are in the playoffs. If you're gonna to go to one of those games, use SeatGeek. It's always the first place I go to look for tickets to a game, look for tickets to a concert. I have the app on my phone. It's so easy. Everything about it is designed to make life easier for sports fans and music fans. SeatGeek does the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. Seekeek does the work. You save time, you save money. And they want you to get the best bang for your buck as well That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deal that fits your budget. Best of all, Locked On Knicks listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the Settings tab, and click Add a Promo Code. Then enter the promo code LONYX. SeatGeek will then send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek mobile app, and enter the promo code LONIX today. Brian, we've got a bracket update. We're in the Elite Eight right now. I, uh, I was not able to do quite as many podcasts as as I wanted to about this because, like I said last week, my laptop fried, and I wound up having to find a workaround and record on a, a company computer that I couldn't really download a recording software on, so I recorded it directly into Boom, which was not great. Um, But we're in the Elite Eight, and uh, based on the voting so far, I think we're going to get the final four that most people expected because uh, in the Elite Eight, Eddie Curry currently leads Anthony Randolph 90% to 10%. Andrea Bargnani leads Steve Francis 88% to 12%. Joe Kim Noah leads Jerome James 72% to 28%. And Michael Sweetney leads Chris Smith 57% to 43%. Looking like we're going to have three one-seeds in the Final Four, along with the two-seed Joakim Noah. And I think, ultimately, the group of four guys that most people expected in the Final Four when we started this bracket are going to be in the Final Four eventually. Uh, Does anything about any of that surprise you in any way whatsoever?
1: Yeah, I needed Amari last.
0: Amari was not in the bracket. How is that possible? Because he's not one of the 64 worst Knicks since 2000. Not even close.
1: Oh God! You, you, if you take away 50 games, he was.
0: That's not true.
1: My bias in this will shine through forever and ever.
0: He was not he one. Was of, ha- he was hard. He was not one of the 64 worst Knicks. Honestly, my biggest surprise is that Chris Smith made it all the way to the Elite Eight. I said before the bracket started that I thought Frank Williams was gonna be a dark horse, and he faced Chris Smith in the first round and got knocked out right away.
1: God, I loved Frank Williams. I I was awful at evaluating basketball talent <laughs> at that time of life, and still am, but yeah, I liked Frank Williams, good old God. Illinois point guard.
0: He shot something like, you know, 30% from the field in his career, or some nonsense like that. He was bad. Ugh. Yeah, he he was, was like he was he was a late first round pick, right? By the Bulls. yeah, he was in the twenties, I think, and um, you know, came in, played some point guard, was not good, just like everybody else to play point guard for the Knicks since you know, like the nineteen nineteen Helsinki episode, um, you know, it's uh,
1: people aren't giving Eddie Curry credit for that one year when he was almost an all star.
0: Yeah, I think that you know the rest of Eddie Curry's Knicks career sort of overrides that. I know he had that streak of whatever it was, games of twenty points and five assists, but you know he is basically the personification of the Isaiah era, and that's like the darkest era in Knicks history. Like, I think we may, you know, depending on what happens, uh, the Phil Jackson era might take on a similar uh, place in Knicks lore because. They currently have a worse record under Phil than they did under Isaiah. Uh, you know, at least at least the Knicks got Kristaps out of this though. They got nothing out of the Isaiah era.
1: Phil is, I I think Phil is similar to Isaiah in terms of they both they both added what you would consider names and talent, but they just had no idea how to make teams fit together. And they also when they took a step forward. Like they, like the Knicks did that year when Curry played decently. Like they, if they didn't have a bunch of injuries to end that season, it's not out of the question that they might have made the playoffs. They fell apart because the entire team got hurt. And
0: they that, they that fell apart year, because they got into the eight seed for one day, like, and then Dolan gave Isaiah a contract extension, and then they fell apart.
1: But and then it just reminds me of like they traded for Zach Randolph, and that ruined Curry.
0: The, Z- the Zebra training. trade was after the season, though. Uh, I think yeah, that was on yeah, yeah. It
1: was. It was the night. Of, I want to say it might have even been the night of the draft. Yeah,
0: I think it was. Because uh, it was Steve Francis was involved in that trade, right?
1: Yeah, because it cleared out. It cleared out cap space for the Trailblazers. Oh, right. That that was why they wanted Francis. That was the last. Year, that was the last year of his contract. That's why the whole thing of when Isaiah was talking about how he was saving up money for LeBron James when he came out and said that. It was completely absurd because if he was doing that, he just would have let the Francis contract run out instead of trading for Zebo whose deal went further into time. That was the point of idiocy from Thomas that was made it easily disprovable. But it was sort of the
0: same I thing. I remember when, with, with um, which, in in Bill Simmons' book, when he was talking about, uh, he had talked to Isaiah about why he wanted the team. Uh, Eddie Curry and Zach Randolph, and he was like, everybody in the league was going smaller, so I decided to go and be the biggest team possible. Sounds like basically exactly like Mike Woodson, and guess what? It <laughs> it, it didn't work either time because when you go big with you know slow fat dudes, it doesn't work. Uh, you know, no, obviously it, it, David
1: Lee was a much better fit. with It wasn't great, but he was a much better fit with with Curry than. Zebo
0: was. And Zebo got his shit together by the time he got to Memphis, but you know, it it did not work out for him for, you know, a few more years even after that. But
1: well, he he was good that first year. They started off the year pretty well under Dantoni when Zebo was playing with Lee a lot in the front court, but they blew that team up to open
0: up all the money for the what didn't work out. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not like they were blowing up some good team. I mean, it was a, t- it was a team that was bad. You know, they they basically. I think they would have. They would have. That would have. I think that would have been a playoff team if they would have kept that oh, together. Oh man, I mean, Anthony, we were, we're we're going to strongly disagree on that. That team would have finished probably last in defense. Yeah, that
1: would have. That it would it, it would. But they all they also would have been a really good offensive team. That team freaking
0: score the ball. I don't know. They were still being point guarded by Chris Duhon at the time, so I don't know if they would have been such a good offense. Uh,
1: wasn't it? It was it, no. Wasn't it? Was Nate Crawford? I don't think Duhon was playing at that point.
0: I'm pretty sure he was. He was. He was there. I think until the uh, the summer of 2010 when they wound up going to film.
1: Yeah, but I think by that point they had kind of transferred over and they weren't
0: playing as much. I think it was yeah, a lot well, of Jamal It's because he, he started the season incredibly, but he was playing like 43 minutes a night, and then by like two months into the season he was shooting 8% from the field and eventually that's that's eventually stopped that playing would. by the end of the year. <laughs> yeah, so look, it's, you know, feel free, go ahead and vote. Um, get these votes in for the Elite Eight. We'll have the final four voting tomorrow, and then uh, the finals voting next week. Um, right now, it looks like we're going to have Eddie Curry against Andrea Bargnani, and Joakim Noah against Mike Sweetney in the final four. Let's let's touch on two more things real quickly before we go. Uh, Carmelo's comments after the game last night—you know, more writing on the wall type of stuff. You know, there was the report for me and Begley today about Carmelo and Hornacek and Rambis getting into a shouting match uh, in the locker room during that awful loss to the Nets. Uh, that was, I believe, on a Sunday afternoon. Do uh, you have any reaction there? Are you still expecting Melo to stick around with the Knicks because spite or something? Uh, is, <laughs> what do you think is going on there?
1: Well, I actually I wrote over at the comeback I wrote a story about Phil and Mello's relationship, and all the trade stuff aside, I think where where this stuff, where it comes to me, uh, where it really sinks in with me, is that just Phil. You listen to Mello talk, and the two quotes that jumped out to me most were, "He just wants to be treated with respect and decency. And just go talk to him and be direct." it. And Phil hasn't done that this entire season. He's been trash about it. And just go to him, say to him, this is what we're doing. We're rebuilding. If you want to be a part of it, that's your choice. If you don't, we're going younger, and this is where we're headed. It's not our number one goal this season isn't going to be fighting for the eighth seed. Our number one goal is going to be developing the draft pick that we have. Developing Kristaps, seeing what we have in Willie, and what his what his ceiling is, and this is the object of our season. If you want to fit into that, you're more than welcome to stay. If not, give us a list of teams that you would be open to be trading traded to, so we can work something out and get something for you in return. This should have happened. This should have happened months
0: ago. That last off season is pathetic. And it's it's just time, just Phil, just be. He just needs to be a decent human. Like that, yeah. that's what. Carmelo has now straight up said twice. If they tell me they're gonna rebuild, then I'll tell them to trade me. And Phil like, won't do it for some reason, because it needs to be Melo that asks out instead of Phil pushing him out or like something. I don't know. But Melo is basically just like just just tell me what you're doing, like. That's, that seems to be all he wants, and, you know, I can't blame him. And, and, look, that path is something that I advocated as early as, like, last summer. Like, t- tell him that you're building the team around Chris Epps, and he's welcome to stay if he wants to, and if he doesn't want to, then you'll accommodate him in whatever way he wants. Yeah, it's not it's not
1: hard. It's Stop it's being a dick. It's, it's really, just don't get the, get the guy, whether you like him or not. Whatever the reasons behind it or not, he played. He I and mean, I know defensively you can argue, you can argue against this, but he's played hard for the Knicks. He's wanted to be here. He gave us some success while he was here. Until the front office ruined it in a stupid fashion that wasn't his fault. I mean, get, get let let the guy. I mean, just show him show him some respect. It's it's not asking much.
0: All right, last thing, Phil Jackson addressing the media tomorrow, or today, when most people are listening to this. 2.30 p.m. Um, so, after Berman, who gets the first question? Um, who gets the first... Oh, Brian Mahoney gets oh, the first question. Oh, you're right. Brian Mahoney will get the first question. So, you're right. So, it'll be Brian Mahoney, then Berman. Who gets the next question? Not Frank Isola. Who gets the snide comment about their question? Remember, Herring's not there this year. So you can't ask a a complicated question that's even longer than one that I would ask. Um, (laughs) And uh, how many questions does the press conference last? I'll
1: go the press conference will last 12 questions, which is pretty short for an end-of-season press conference.
0: That's that's pretty short for an end-of-season press conference, but I think it's high for Phil. And
1: I'll say... Begley will get a snide remark because he'll ask a very direct question.
0: That yeah, I'm, I'm going to say that Begley gets the third question and he gets the first snide remark on that <laughs> third question.
1: Yeah, because he Begley asks a question. So I was listening to him he, 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 and he is very upfront with what he asks. and He doesn't shy away.
0: Yeah, and he's done some pretty extensive reporting now on things that have gone on uh, in and around the team in the locker room and, and I would bet that Phil says something about that
1: and I, 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 Solo won't be able to get him a question I bet they let Bondi get one
0: yeah I would say Frank will not get a question and then he'll tweet about how he didn't get a question
1: <laughs> that's I think that's the biggest lock of it
0: all 100% lock I love Frank it was good to see him throughout the season um, alright that's gonna wrap it up for today back tomorrow after Phil's press conference with uh you know, some updates from what happened there. Updates on the latest with the bracket. Uh, check out. I actually wrote something about the Knicks this week as well. Uh, it's over at Vice Sports. You can find it on my Twitter, at JADubin5. And um, it's about defense. Surprise, surprise. I don't want to talk about the triangle anymore. And uh, I think that anyone who has watched the Knicks over the last 15 or 16 years, uh, I don't see how you wouldn't agree with what I wrote about their defense. Um, feel free to check that out. Check back in for more podcasts. Follow the podcast on Twitter, at Nicks. I'm on Twitter, at JADubin5. Brian's on Twitter, at Brian Gibberman. Or no, at, at Gibberman. Giberman 10. At Gibberman10. At 10 uh, Feel free to reach out, Nicks at gmail.com. As I said the last couple times out, still looking for ideas for which prospects you would like to hear full podcast breakdowns on uh send me a list uh, anywhere up to 10 prospects that you want to hear about and uh we'll try to get those going over the next few weeks brian thanks a lot man appreciate it
1: no problem